0: So we uh, opened with a discussion question this morning. I asked all of you to think about uh, a discussion question. I asked you to think about what you think of this metaphor that was used by Jerry Seinfeld as he talked with Stephen Colbert uh, about a week ago. He said that the pandemic is like the whole world has been put in detention. And if you're watching at home on video, I invite you to stop the video and take a few moments to consider uh, that question, that, uh, that metaphor, that the pandemic is like the whole world has been put in detention. Obviously, this pandemic is no joke. It is serious and has devastated lives and livelihoods. And at the same time, sometimes along the way, we can benefit from a good joke about serious things so that we can laugh our way through the frustrations and fears and hardships. I have always thought that the best jokes tap into something that is deep inside of us. Good jokes can surface things that we didn't know we were thinking about. For me, the image of detention opens up up some big questions that I suspect many of us are wondering about these days. Why are we in detention? Who put us there? How long is it going to be until we can get out? These are theological questions, God questions. You can go inside if you want. They're God questions. They involve deep thinking about what is going on in the world right now and what it means. Is this pandemic, is this pandemic, is it some kind of punishment? Is God playing a role in this? Why does it victimize people in ways that are so unbalanced and unfair? Are we supposed to be learning or changing something? If we do, will that make it go away? When it is over, whatever that means, are things going to look better or worse or about the same as they did before? Now, of course, I don't know the answer to these questions any more than you do. I will say this, I believe that COVID is not a punishment from God. I do not believe that God would allow the people who are already the most vulnerable to suffer the most in this pandemic. Inequality is a human problem. But it is hard for me not to wonder about some of the other big questions, even if I don't have answers. And I believe it is the nagging of these unanswerable questions that makes us feel disillusioned, discouraged, depressed frustrated not sure what to do or say or think these are tough questions and they don't really have clear answers but i do think that there is wisdom in scripture and in our faith tradition to help us deal with hard questions and the hard feelings that they bring and hard days and so this sunday and the next the sermons will be about wisdom from the bible For navigating difficult days and difficult feelings and big questions. So today's scripture, the one that I just struggled through, it uh, reminded me once again that God has a sense of humor, and I'm being reminded of that a little bit now as I preach here in the rain. It was two or three weeks ago that the New York Times ran that big story about the president's tax history. And of course he replied that the whole thing was false and the story was all over the news. It was that very day with my laptop on the desk and the news feed rolling in that I was planning sermons for the next several weeks. And I looked to see what scriptures were being suggested for the coming weeks. And I saw that for my very next sermon today, October 18th, The gospel lesson, for it was Jesus' words in Matthew 22 about paying your taxes: "Render unto Caesar what is Caesar, and to God what is God's." And all of I I could think was kind of what I'm thinking about right now: "Lord, you got to be kidding me." Let me say before I go one word further that this sermon is not going to be about Donald Trump, and it's not going to be about the election for a really good reason. It is so tempting for a preacher of any political leaning to take the the latest news and this passage of scripture and decide how they're going to run with it. But I believe this would be in direct opposition to what this passage actually means. The message of this passage is that what we are doing right now What we are doing right now with great dedication, this time for worship, this sermon, this gathering of believers, this space and time does not belong to Donald Trump or to any other president or any other politician. This is not space where we render unto Caesar. This is space where we render unto God. The church must remember that God's wisdom is strong enough not to be overshadowed by the news of the day. That statement might make it sound like sermons and worship are bound to be irrelevant and out of touch, that we can only talk about religious things. But that too could not be further from the truth. Jesus and the prophets and many personalities of the Bible were deeply political. They had much to say about the governors and kings of their day. But how do you have it both ways? How do you keep God at the center of your life and our worship and also pay attention to the public witness of the Bible? How do you render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's? Jesus makes an important distinction that helps us to navigate this question. Let's look at the story a group of religious and civic officials, Pharisees and Herodians. They come to see Jesus, and the story says they were hoping to entrap him with a question. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not, they ask. It's a trick question. You see, if Jesus says yes to this question, yes, pay taxes to the emperor, he will be accused of being treasonous, to the Jewish people in the face of their Roman oppressors. If he says no, the Romans will throw him into prison for inciting rebellion. Like so many decisions in our lives right now, this question really has no good answer. What do you do when a question has no good answer? Jesus changes the question. Looking at the emperor's likeness on the coin, he asks, whose head is this and whose title? And to that question, he has a good answer. Give to the emperor things that are the emperor's, and to God things that are God's. Here's the distinction that he's making. Jesus does not set the emperor and God on equal footing. He does not. The emperor can have the coin, he says. That belongs to him. But you do not belong to him. You do not belong to him. You do not belong to the emperor. Your life belongs to God. So there are limits to the authority that the emperor can have in your life. But you belong to God and there are no limits to God's authority. You belong to God everywhere you go. God and the emperor are not to be thought of as equals. So the people who are running for election in our own time, and the malice and fear and divisiveness that they bring to so much of life right now, hear me when I say that they have no authority here. They have no authority here. And they should not have ultimate authority in your life. This is the place where we come to be reminded that we belong to God. You do not belong to the politicians. I know that these days we turn on the TV and look at our devices and open the newspaper and it seems like you cannot get away from the malice. But you can. Like Mr. Rogers used to tell little children about shows on the TV that hurt us and make us feel bad, you can turn it off. And that's a reminder that we often need that same thing when we are at worship. This is not the emperor's place. This is where we render unto God. And. And. When you leave here and you go back into the world, you will still belong to God. You will still belong to God, and that carries with it responsibilities, ways that we must engage Caesar. Here, where we belong to God, we talk about life-shaping values that we learn from our faith tradition. We talk about justice for long-oppressed people. We talk about seeking the welfare of people who are struggling. We talk about being peacemakers in the midst of a violent world. We talk about love for our neighbors, even when our neighbors are people we are not inclined to like. This is the witness of people who belong to God. And we are to take that witness everywhere with us. We are to take it to our schools and our jobs and our neighborhood councils, and yes to the polls, you belong to God. Render unto God what is God. and. And goes into the world ready to engage Caesar. So, those are some practical reflections on this passage, but I'm also interested in reflecting on the spiritual nature of this story. The spiritual nature of this story. What does this story mean to spiritual people in the midst of the struggles we are all facing? What does it mean to be comforted by the knowledge that you belong to God? What does it mean to ask some of those big questions that I mentioned at the start and know that God is there in the midst of them? Let's go back for a moment to that metaphor that started this sermon, the idea that COVID is like detention. Why did this happen? What does it mean? How long will it be until it's over? Another good metaphor for these questions is darkness, darkness, the inability to know where you are or to see what's ahead or to know where you are going, darkness. Not long ago, my family spent a Saturday at a state park where the kids explored steep hills and cliffs and the caves and tunnels underneath. There was one especially long tunnel we walked through together it was an abandoned train tunnel that was dug back in 1852 and never completed the tunnel was long enough that you could not see the end and you had to rely heavily upon your flashlight as you made your way through and it was low enough that i stooped and bent over most of the way through Our older boys clambered through the mud and the rocks while I stepped carefully, our one-year-old boy strapped to my chest. Not knowing exactly how long the tunnel was, there was a point at which I knew that it was a long way back. And I still didn't know exactly how much there was ahead. It was very dark. Except for the voices of my children enjoying the adventure, it was quiet, and it felt totally removed from the noise of the world. Perhaps it should have been scary, but I felt a surprising sense of peace while picking my way over those rocks in the dark tunnel, watching my children explore, holding my warm baby to my chest, something gave me a surprising sense of comfort. We tend to talk a lot about light when we're talking about God. Let there be light. The light of the world, the light shines in the darkness. We often forget we often forget that God is quite comfortable in the darkness and that amazing things can happen there preacher Barbara Brown Taylor once wrote an essay about caving, and she recalled the role of caves and darkness in religious literature. Buddhists tell stories about meditation caves in India and China and Bhutan. There's a cave near Mecca where Muhammad experienced his night of power and received the wisdom of the Quran. In the Bible, Elijah experienced darkness and he experienced God's still small voice at the mouth of a cave. God wrestled with Jacob in the nighttime and appeared to Mary and Joseph in the night in their dreams. Jesus was born in the night. If you've ever been to the Holy Land you know that it probably happened not in a stable but in the darkness of a cave. A cave was also where Jesus was resurrected. Barbara Brown Taylor points out that no one ever talks about these things on Easter. Resurrection is always announced with Easter lilies, the sound of trumpets, bright streaming light. But resurrection didn't happen that way. If it happened in a cave, it happened in complete silence, in absolute darkness with the smell of damp stone and dug earth in the air. New life starts in the dark. Whether it is a seed in the ground, a baby in the womb, or Jesus in the tomb, it starts in the dark. Whether the subject is the upcoming election or the future of COVID, I know this. The politicians and the pundits do not have answers to the questions that haunt us in the darkness. We'll have to remember that darkness is God's territory. Surrender unto Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. Pay your taxes and out in the world, witness in public to the goodness of God by demanding justice for vulnerable people by acting as a peacemaker vote in favor of the principles of the gospel principles that flow from the idea that every human person is a child of god give generously out of what you have help those who are suffering love your enemies and when the darkness seems too dark remember that the caesars of the world may seem to surround us but their influence is limited Your life does not belong to them. You belong to God. And God is quite comfortable and quite at home, even in the darkness. And all God's people said, Amen. I'm going to give you a discussion question that uh, I hope that you might uh, discuss as uh, the the weather permits. We won't do this right now. We'll go ahead and uh, have our prayers of the people and uh, close our sermon. Uh, And perhaps if the the weather lightens up a little bit, you'll enjoy these questions with the people seated near you. But the question I want you to think about uh, in response to this sermon uh, is, what does it mean to you in these days to hear that God is comfortable in the darkness? and that new life might be found there. I pray that God would be with you this day. Thanks be to God. Amen.